Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine, where we talk to the founders, entrepreneurs, and innovators behind some of the world's most exciting fast casual restaurant concepts. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editorial director of Food News Media and the editor of QSR. And on today's episode, we are trying something a little new. Uh, we're introducing something called Freeze Frame. Uh, Freeze Frame is going to be our uh, series of conversations with fast casual executives and uh, other uh, big thinkers who maybe don't totally fit the mold of our other episodes where we speak to to the folks who've kind of been behind the scenes of building up a company from day one, uh, but folks who still have lots to say and have really relevant experience and and knowledge that I think is going to be really helpful for those of you in the fast casual industry to learn from them um, and see how they're going through some of the challenges facing the industry today that that you might also be going through. Uh, In particular, uh, we're just back from the National Restaurant Association show in Chicago, where we go every year to connect with the industry, meet with operators, check out all of the vendors uh, and other folks with booths and see what kind of trends are taking off. Um, what are what are the things that are shaping the industry today? All of that is on hand at the National Restaurant Association show, and um, we're back from from there. We talked to lots of interesting people with really uh, great perspective on the challenges that the industry is facing and uh, on what's coming up for fast casual. Uh, and QSR in in the years ahead. Um, So what we wanted to do was share some of those conversations that we had with some of those experts. Uh, And in the coming week, uh, we're going to be sharing with you several conversations with fast casual um, executives who have that really unique perspective and have a grasp on um, all of the all of the things all of the headwinds uh, facing the industry and um, an, an idea of where they think the industry goes from here. With the NRA show in particular, uh, no surprise, everybody was thinking about a few things, um, namely labor and off-premises growth. Uh, labor really is the number one challenge facing the restaurant industry today. Um, and and then also with the off-premises growth, third-party delivery is, is really the number one um, thing that operators today are know that they have to get involved with, know that they, they can really use this to uh, build their sales and uh, help with their their uh, brand promotion, but which is really really still challenging them. As most people know, these are our services that take you know twenty five to thirty percent um, off the top of every order, which essentially eliminates profit margins. And so everybody's trying to figure out how do I make this work for my company. So that was something that I talked to a lot of folks at the NRA show about how they can figure this out, how they can make it best work for their company. Um, so today on our first episode of Freeze Frame, um, I'm talking to Frank Pacey, the CEO of Corner Bakery. Uh, Corner Bakery has been around for a couple of decades now. This is a company that was originally founded by um, Let Us Entertain You, based out of Chicago. Uh, These days, it's a fast casual based out of Dallas, Uh, very much a bakery cafe concept with, with, uh, you know, menu that that fits all day parts, great for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, something that fits all customer demographics, really upscale uh, menu. Um, Something that Frank talks about is they do something like 25% of their business in catering. Um, So this is a company that's uh, really um, uh, just has a lot of experience, not only with off-premises already with their catering program, but already sort of exists in that upscale, fast, casual world that everybody's kind of striving for. Uh, But as Frank talks about today, 
Um, you know, it has a lot of unique challenges that they're also taking a look at. Um, they're looking at drive through. This is something where they've opened a couple of drive throughs in some restaurants and seen how that works out. Of course, labor is a big thing that they're, uh, they're worried about these days and trying to work through. So um, I had a really great conversation with Frank at the NRA show about several of these challenges that Corner Bakery faces um, and where he sees the company going from here in the industry in general. Uh, we sat and on the fourth floor of McCormick Place in Chicago during the NRA show where you can just have this beautiful view of Lake Michigan, um, just a really nice, quiet area to talk with folks. This was kind of my podcast corner for the uh, the weekend during the NRA show. So um, again, this is Freeze Frame, um, a, a conversation with Frank Pacey of Corner Bakery. And over the next week, we're going to be rolling out um, several other episodes with folks that we spoke with at the NRA show. Um, and also, you know, again, just a reminder, go subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcast, send us feedback, email me, Sam at qsrmagazine.com. Let me know um, how things are going. All that said, I'm going to now roll into my conversation with Corner Bakery CEO, Frank Pacey. All right, I'm sitting down at the NRA show in Chicago with Frank Pacey, the CEO of Corner Bakery. Frank, thanks for sitting down with me today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. This is like a, a podcast with a view. <laughs> yes, it is actually a very nice <laughs> Not view. as much for me with my back to it, there but you, uh, you have a nice view as we have this conversation. Uh, well, Frank, let's start by talking about um, the NRA show. And um, we've been talking about how we've been coming to these for years. What do you usually hope to get out of an event like this? Typically, uh, we have a plan before we come here. We're looking for certain uh, things that we want to add to the menu, okay. and so we're looking for you know manufacturers, vendors, and we're all, we're also meeting with existing vendors that we have that also have new innovative things. So what, sure. the great thing about that is it kind of collapses the whole innovation cycle into like two or three days, especially if you have a plan. Mm. That you're of things that you're looking for, because otherwise you can get very distracted by all the all the stuff that's going on. You mean so. the ten thousand booths? Distract yes, you. yes, exactly. Right. So uh, we were laughing because uh, uh, we were going to meet someone at a booth, and he said, "I'd have been here sooner, except I had to go through Argentina and Spain to get here." Right. So uh, that's right. Yeah. So it's just uh, it, it is a fascinating show to see yeah. all the different kind of items that are out there, and for sure, uh, and all the vendors. So I, I love coming to it. So. Yeah. So let's talk about Corner Bakery in the year you guys are having. If you could sort of condense um, sort of where Corner Bakery is as a business today into sort of one or two sentences, how would you do that? How do you feel like things are going these days? Well, I think the industry in general is challenged. Um, Corner Bakery has some specific challenges because of geographically where we're mm-hmm. at. Okay. Uh, over um, 70% of our profit is in um, high minimum wage markets that that are impacted by the minimum wage, yeah. which causes us to kind of rethink the business and look for opportunities, um, you know, and, you know, kind of an old term re-engineering is there things that we can do from a process standpoint mm-hmm. um, that will help, I think, two things. One, make it simpler, especially given challenges so not only do you have minimum wage but you also have recruiting challenges sure. in terms of getting people and the more complex your operation is the more money you have to spend on training and so right. with all that in mind looking at how can we simplify what it is that we're doing and improve the quality at the same time which right. may sound difficult to do but it's interesting we've actually been able to do that i think in some cases and okay. so uh, you know, ultimately, it's a very competitive marketplace. Unless you are doing something that's different or better, uh, you're not going to win. So our goal is to try to figure out how to get better, but to do it on a basis that is, you know, replicable uh, and doesn't take a huge amount of labor to do sure. it. So uh, you know, it it takes some 
a kind of out of the box thinking to think about those kind of things. Absolutely. I think the other cha- big challenges out there, which a lot of people have seen, are the the growth of third party delivery, which certainly is growing faster than we thought it was going to grow oh, yeah. uh, when we put our plans together for this year. Uh, certainly, you know, you turn the TV on, you see tons of ads for Grubhub and DoorDash, and on your uh, phone you see Uber Eats ads. Uh, so there's a huge amount of money obviously being invested by the third-party delivery guys, which I think is growing that business. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, depending on what business you're in, some businesses are probably impacted more than others are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you look at what the research says, it says it tends to be higher-income metro markets, which really kind of is right where Corner Bakery is based. Yeah. So we've seen that. Uh, we've participated in we've had DoorDash and Grubhub, and we're just getting online with Uber Eats and in discussions with Postmates. And okay. so we're seeing that. The other thing that Corner Bakery has always done uh, has been a big we're, – we're an early mover in catering. Over 25% of our sales yeah. is catering, which we deliver ourselves. We have our own vans. So we've kind of been in the food delivery business for a long time, just more in the large order than in the small order okay. business. Um, and we're seeing consolidation in that with people like Easy Cater. Um, right. And so I think there's opportunities. In the past, we haven't really used uh, some of those consolidators. But I think there are clients out there who only want to get one bill and want, but want to have variety. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're you know in, in talks with them as well. Uh, we have franchisees who have done great numbers with uh, with the Easy Cater business. So. Okay. You know, and, and what's and you know, the other thing we've done is we've we've uh, built some stores with drive-throughs now, which we yeah. didn't have. Uh, but what's what's the common theme behind all that stuff is really convenience has always been one of the big drivers in the business, mm-hmm. and it's all about how do you get it convenient? Whether you get it through a drive-through, whether you get it delivered to your place, whether you have a catering that comes and sets up, they're all in that consistent. It's always been quality, value, service, and convenience, right? Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what the order of those things are, <laughs> right? But uh, it certainly appears that with the growth of third party, it's just another convenience, right? Sure. And it has, it's interesting in terms of how that impacts other businesses, right? Because in the past, the drive-through was kind of the most convenient way to do it. Absolutely. And then you had other businesses like the pizza business and a lot of the Asian businesses have historically been there. Jimmy John's has, mm-hmm. has always had a great delivery business. Um, so that kind of is a whole restructuring that's going on in the business as well. So uh, I, I find this really interesting because, you know, I, let's say six, seven years ago when Fast Casual was really taking off kind of at its height, it felt to me like fast casual in general really leaned into the quality. That's correct. Part of that quality service value convenience. And I, I think some fast casuals back then would rather be caught. They wouldn't be caught dead doing drive through. Oh yeah. Right. Because right. it was like, Oh, that's, that's fast food. Right. And so I, I'm really fascinated right now. That there's a number of um, fast casuals looking at drive through corner bakery and Chipotle is mm-hmm. looking at drive through too. Well, pa- Panera's done it. Panera's for years, been doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Panera, Starbucks. Right. I mean, I think, you know, the, what I call the stigma of drive-through, if you will, being a lower quality um, is probably is is probably on its way out yeah. because I think people are just saying, hey, I can get a quality product at Starbucks. I can get a quality product at Panera. Why can't I get a quality product at, at Corner Bakery right. or a drive-through, right? It just doesn't make any sense. What do you think was it about it that changed? Was it this push toward off-premises? Did it seem like customers, just the demands of customers was moving more toward the off-premises kind of occasion? Yes. I, I you know, and, and we see that even within the takeout business. So mm-hmm. if you look at, right, so when you look at Corner Bakery between takeout, third-party delivery, 
um, the, the catering business. I mean, there's a huge amount of our business that is off-premise, right? Which also then has implications from a real estate standpoint. So we're looking at smaller smaller units, smaller facilities. One of our franchisees just opened a store in Nashville that's 2,200 square feet, where our old prototype you know, five years ago was probably closer to 4,000 square feet. Oh, yeah. And you look at what's happening with real estate costs, what's happening with labor costs, and all those kinds of things. The whole model, you have to start looking at what's the evolution of the model, right, when you're signing a a 10-year lease, what kind of a lease do you want right. to sign when you're opening a new facility on some of those things? So, yeah, I think I think everybody, you know, we, we talk about it, how busy it is, and everybody's all time-constrained and whatever it is. It, I, that just has seemed to continue on, and, and people are looking for a convenience. I think probably, um, I hadn't really thought about it before, but you also can combine that with Amazon and Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Um you know there are impacts, and, and I've seen this in where companies have reported, public companies reported information, and they've talked about the performance of their mall stores different than other stores because the traffic drivers that used to be out there in retail have changed. And yeah. So they're, you know, what may have been a good location because it had a lot of retail traffic to it. As the retail traffic continues to decline, with you know online shopping right yeah it may make it a different it just change it's no different than changing the highway in the past where if, mm. you, if you build a new highway a location might have been out positioned by the way it is the same thing i think is happening overall if you look at consumer trends yeah so. right how about the competition today too because i think to some degree it strikes me that fast casual has needed to adapt to the, the the competitive reality which is that there are a lot of players in this game a lot of brands kind of jumped into this industry and you know everybody kind of fighting for those dollars i mean does that force your hand to a, a little bit to sort of rethink the convenience structure of things yeah i think it i think it it, it causes everything it's always t- it talks about it also helps on on having this conversation about differentiation uh-huh. right? and saying okay great why am i going to this place versus this other place you have to give me a reason to come right yeah. so one of those reasons is obviously convenience but it's also i think it's also food quality it's whatever the experience that you're getting with that right now as you move more of the, the business off premise premise the experience potentially changes on that right sure. so uh but but definitely and i think the other thing is that you know what we would typically think of as qsr their quality has gone up yeah. as well mm-hmm. okay i mean it was interesting to see McDonald's pull the crafted burgers that they were doing, right? Yeah. Because you kind of, as they started kind of going up there, they started trying to compete with some of the, whether it's a five guys or the better, some of the better burger guys, but then they just kind of abandoned that. And so that was a little bit of a surprise given the, what the trends have been. But, yeah. But, uh, you know, you see that, that whole evolution in the business. So. Right. Well, you know, I think, too, that the technology has been sort of the equalizing factor, right? You know, because think about something, too, with McDonald's, the the um, uh, experience of the future store with the kiosks that they have. To me, that sort of technology, the technological enhancement has sort of even the playing field for a lot of the QSR space because now all of a sudden they can do mobile ordering. They can do kiosk self-service if they want to. Um, and so... Whereas before, sort of quality, the playing field wasn't even, it wasn't even with fast casual and QSR. Now with technology, it's a little bit closer, uh, technolo- technology speaking. I mean, is that, are you constantly looking at technological improvements to try to, to try to keep ahead of the game still? Uh, yes. We, uh, you know, we've changed 
um, vendors in terms of who does our online ordering. Um, uh, it went into Monkey Media with catering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're doing Olo for online ordering uh, and continuing to look at um, alternatives as we look at uh, moving forward with the technology and, and what is the easiest way for the guest to access that. When you start thinking about it, uh, ultimately with, with an Alexa or a voice ordering, right, you kind of start having this conversation about it saying, okay, well, do I want to come in and use a kiosk in the store or could I come in and do a voice order in the store, okay? Right, right. If I can, if I can order something through Alexa, why can't I do voice ordering in the store, which is a lot easier than trying to figure out how to do the, yeah. the kiosk, right? Yeah. So as you start trying to think about where does the future, where does this lead you mm-hmm. to in some of these things, right? I mean, you have phones with, you know, if you have an iPhone, you've got Siri in there. Can you can you Siri order as opposed to actually putting a kiosk in the store? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how does that all work as you do that? So we actually have, uh, we've got voice ordering being tested in uh, our, some of our California stores right now where wow. when a person calls in it's an automated service that's that you can voice order which is wow. a voice recognition program right that's crazy. so yeah so and you start saying okay great if i can do voice recognition on the phone then why can't i do voice recognition in the store because it's a lot easier for me to say hey i want to choose to with uh pomodori panini and uh, a cup of uh orzo soup versus uh, let me go go to the kiosk and do right, this right. And, and 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 go through that menu right mm-hmm. um so just kind of fascinating as to say okay great where does this go Mm -hmm. uh as you as you go to the next step on some of these things but you know and i think about you know somebody like a a mcdonald's with a kiosk in store what 30 percent of their business in store 70 percent is still kind of going through the drive-through through through a voice order and whatever right so uh it's just it's just interesting when you start thinking about yeah when we do our um annual drive-through study in october every year uh for the last basically five or six years every time i would talk to operators about the drive-through and the future of drive-through it was always mobile ordering mobile ordering mobile ordering and you know we finally started to see mobile ordering start to kind of take its place in the drive-through but it was really funny when i talked to operators this past year it was ai 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 everybody's talking about ai in the drive-through how that's going to kind of come around because it's really i mean it's it's voice-activated ordering at a drive-thru. At a speaker, drive-thru, absolutely. That's right? exactly what it is. And I think that, you know, you can suddenly take out, you know, probably your higher-paid employee who, you know, you're always wanting that best employee at the drive-thru window. Suddenly you can sort of relocate them to another part of the store and run everything just through that AI in the drive-thru window. It seems like that's going to be an incredible opportunity in the future. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's fascinating. And then, you know, the other thing that's out there, right, is the amount of data that mm-hmm. is out there. I mean, I, you know, in the past, you know, before the advent of, of all the data analysis out there, a lot of times you kind of had to you had to do customer spottings and surveys and whatever. Now, you know, I can tell you just by matching names and credit card numbers, you know, when I ran this promotion, who came in and, and yeah. what they did, right? Yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, figuring out how to, to harvest that data and to, to do that to drive sales intelligently, mm-hmm. I think, is another great opportunity that's out there in the restaurant business. So It strikes me that Corner Bakery's um, customer demographic or customer base must be all over the map, right? I mean, because this is something that resonates with young customers right. and old customers, right. all walks of life, right? Well, so, it, it's funny because when I talk about Corner Bakery, I, I say that Corner Bakery is the least homogeneous brand yeah. I ever worked for because we have stores – downtown chicago we have stores in 
you know, Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, you know, we have stores that are open Monday through Friday, seven to five, and we have stores in California that do huge weekend breakfast businesses, mm. right? Mm. And so, and the demographics will do as well with that, right? And so, you know, it's interesting because when we were looking at some of the demographics, you start having this conversation about, well, okay, great. Um, you know, what's the daytime population? What's the residential population? And you're saying, well, wait a minute, we're counting those people twice, right? Because the guy who's from South Lake in, in outside of Dallas mm-hmm. on the weekend is potentially a corner bakery customer at that weekend location. But during the week, he may be going to the downtown corner oh, bakery location, right? And yeah. so when we talk about that, a lot of times we talk about them as kind of one occasion, but it's actually that same person may may visit the brand through multiple occasions and even multiple locations right Right, so when you kind of think about those kind of things it just it causes you to think about a little bit differently because we were talking we were so we were talking about demographics of one person and so well let's talk about the family right because the family you know it might be that the spouse works here and the other spouse works here or the other one may be a stay-at-home spouse which is a totally different occasion Mm -hmm. and so in all of those different occasions you're trying to capture guests and, mm-hmm. and, and try to understand what it takes to capture those guests. And so, yeah. it, you know, for Corner Breaker, I think it, it it really shows itself because of the different kind of location. So the same thing with demographics, right? Obviously, in a in an urban city environment, we're going to have, you know, we're going to skew a little bit younger than some of the residential where we may skew young, older. Sure. And you can see that. You walk in the stores and you'll see very different demographics from store to store. Right, yeah. So So is that hard, especially as you look at some of these innovations like like third-party delivery, off-premises, AI, voice activation, all these things? I mean, do all of these things resonate with all of your customers, or is it hard to try to figure out the direction you should go according to what your target base is? Well, I think, uh, you you know, you want to... you want to be relevant, I guess, is Mm -hmm. a big, big key. So trying to figure out what does being relevant mean and how do you capture um, the most that you can capture that without, you know, trying to be all things to all people, I right. think, right? I mean, it's interesting because uh, we still subscribe to newspapers in a lot of stores because mm-hmm. you have – you will have an, an older clientele will come in and read the newspaper and drink a coffee in the morning because they're retired during the week, right? right. And so, uh, you know, which you wouldn't necessarily want to do in other concepts, right? right? Yeah. So you're trying to figure out how can I how can I serve people without alienating people? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's really the challenge and, and, and try to do that while not making the complexity out of hand, right? Sure. And so yeah. that's, so yeah, we know that Certain areas are growing and people are, are busier, but there are still people. They still have the, the old hard time guests that come in on a regular basis and sit there and yeah. you know, have their cup of coffee for an hour. And, and they yeah. know everything that's going on in the store, right? And <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, so, so it is a fascinating relationship to watch that, to see those happen in those multiple sure. um, guest experiences. I'm really curious how the drive-thru is going to work for Corner Bakery. I mean, I assume this is not, not going to be any standard drive-thru. No. It, uh, so we've done a couple different versions. Okay. Uh, our, our franchisees in Milwaukee did the first one. Okay. They're a Culver's franchisee, so they, oh. they do it a little bit like Culver's sure. does, where they will take the order, you'll pay, and then they'll ask you to pull up and you can take the food. And so gotcha. what's interesting about that to me, because you know, a lot of time perception is reality, right? Mm-hmm. And I've gone through the drive-through. So you order the drive-through, and then you come up, and then you pay. Mm-hmm. 
So as a guest, when does the time you expect to wait for your food begin? Does mm. it begin when you pay for it or does it right. begin when you order what it? What is the right? speed of service? Because yeah. in restaurant, there is no gap between ordering and paying. It happens at the same time, right? right? Yep. In this restaurant, because of the gap between ordering and paying mm-hmm. and then pulling up, sometimes it feels like the food actually comes out faster than it does in That's the restaurant sure. because they started cooking it when it was ordered and keyed right. in and when it goes to the K- KDS, but right? But they haven't paid it yet. But they haven't paid yeah. for it yet. So that minute, right, if your speed of service target is you know between four and five minutes, uh-huh. that minute cuts a quarter of that time off. Wow. So from a perception is... It does. It seems like the food comes out quicker. And, and also hmm. today, what's interesting about, the, you know, getting them through and then, then having them wait after as opposed to waiting in the line. Uh-huh. Now you're waiting for your food. You don't have to look at the gap or whatever it is. And so what are you doing? You're picking up the phone. You're doing email. You're doing those kind of things. So the, right. the passing of the time, I think, certainly appears faster in what I call a park through, right, mm-hmm. where you kind of go through and park. Now, we do have regular drive throughs where we didn't have the space to do that. And, you know, and any time we think the order is going to take long, we just ask them to pull up and park and pull it out, right? But it, it's no different than us kind of bringing the food to the table as sure. you normally would in the event, right? So, right. Because cause we already have those resources, that's not an additional investment to bring it to your car if that's what it takes versus right. handing it out the window. So, yeah, yeah, that's just a different way of doing it because, you know, there's times when, you know, our competitor where you get a really long line because they're trying to get you to get the food out to you through the window where we're basically saying, hey, you want to pull up and spend two minutes on your phone returning messages or doing text or whatever it is? Have at it. We'll bring the food to you. Right. I imagine there, there's a certain level of forgiveness that they'll give you because they understand this is for a higher, a higher quality. quality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's interesting. In a previous company, uh, we looked at guest satisfaction based on time to receive food. Uh-huh. You actually saw the satisfaction go up if they waited two minutes versus one minute. Interesting. And the only thing I can think of is, is that one minute it was, they felt like it was pre-made. Like it was sitting there. Yeah, like it was sitting there waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas at two minutes, oh, it was made just for me, right? So it's just kind of interesting. It's like I don't want to get it too fast right. because that could mean that the quality is not right if I yeah. get it too fast, it's, right? It's funny. When we do the drive through study, there is a such thing as, as too fast because people also don't want to feel rushed. Right. And so like there's always this balance specifically with the customer service of you want to get their order in a timely fashion. You want to get their food in a timely fashion, but you never want to go too fast to where they're stressed. They they don't know what they want, and they fumble over their words, and then you th- hand it out the window too fast, and they're like, wait a second. There's yeah. no way you made a burger right. in well, yeah, they, And then you want to check the bag to make sure you got everything that you have, right? Because, right. I mean, the big one of the big challenges uh, with third-party delivery and drive-through is really emphasizing order accuracy, right? Yeah. Because in a, in a brand where historically... And we st- we did a lot of takeout, but historically, you had a lot of guests eating in store. If there was a mistake, you could recover from that. You right. can't recover if there's a mistake in third party delivery or in the drive through after it's left yep. the building, right? Yeah. And so, it's one of those things that that you really kind of it, it was. It's always important. It's now even more important as you look at more of your business being eaten off premises. So. Sure, is drive through. Are you going to see how this goes? in these first stores first and then invest more in it or you just see how no we're uh, you know at this point in time uh you know the the prototype does include a drive-through you can build without a drive-through as well um 
but uh, and we're looking at at locations now where we think we can retrofit drive-throughs, right? Because oh, okay. we saw we had a franchisee who retrofitted a drive-through and saw a nice pickup in sales from that mm. that that more than justified a good return on investment on what they invested. Now there's a lot of places that you just can't retrofit them, but where we do, we're looking at opportunities to to do that because again, mm. it's a I think it's another one of those convenience drivers in the business. So. What else are you seeing for the business in the future? I mean, what direction do you see fast casual in general going, and how do you see sort of adapting the corner bakery model to it? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, you've already talked about the fact that, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of growth in the fast casual business. Um, you know, there's going to be, I think there's going to be winners and litters. We've already kind of seen some of that, right? Yeah. Taylor Gourmet closed all their locations, yeah. which was considered a hot concept, right? Pretty uh, shocking, yeah. Pretty shocking to see Kava buy... Uh, Zoe's, Zoe's yeah, right? Which was, Zoe's was the, I mean, went public, mm-hmm. was the hot so- concept. Noodles went public, was the hot, I mean, so it's really interesting to watch. You know, you had, um, uh, uh, you know, Fiesta Restaurant mm-hmm. kind of closed all of, of their locations in certain markets, mm-hmm. right? So, so I think there is a little bit of, you know, maybe a little bit more caution with uh, development there that it's not, you know, just kind of all the way, and you've got to, and and there are people who are going to be winners and losers in that battle, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. You know, wh- whatever you think of Subway, it's amazing to think that you know, was it Subway's been closing what nine hundred stores? I mean, they closed, right. they closed large chains uh, know, in, one know, in one year. In one year, right? I mean, you, you, the the, uh-huh. the scope of that is just so amazing to think about that it is um and and what those kind of implications have which you know deals with franchise model and you know corner bakeries is majority company store um and and even in certain locations we've looked at what i call optimizing the portfolio we have stores in chicago that were you know two blocks away from each other oh yeah okay and given rents and given third-party delivery and all that kind of stuff so we've when some of those leases have come up we've said you know they're doing and they're doing catering business. We can make more money by transferring the catering to the location that's nearer to it than we can from operating the two stores and having all the employees that have those. So yeah. So I think all of these things will have uh, impact on what's the development model going forward with the businesses. Do you think? This is the last question for you. Do you think Corner Bakery? I mean, you know, decades of experience behind it. This is a brand that has really rooted itself into loyal customers' lives. I mean, it seems like you guys have a leg up. I mean, do you feel comfortable in the, in what Corner Bakery, the foundation that it sits on? Yeah, I think I think the the foundation is there. The catering is, uh, you know, in our experience, is is second to none in terms of what we do from a catering standpoint. We have opportunities in the the retail business of of updating the concept and and doing a little bit better job of, of focusing we've uh we've upgraded all of our proteins this year um because i just felt like we were a premium brand and we wanted to be able to deliver that uh, that food at, at a premium level so we'll continue to look for opportunities to to uh to do that as we go forward uh because i can't you know even though we're you know, we have a, a great customer base that doesn't mean that you got to sit still. You got to yeah. keep. You got to keep moving. You got to keep innovating, and that's really what we're looking to do. So, great. Well, Frank, those are all the questions I had. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks all right. For Thank down. you. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. <laughs>